Welcome to the Legion Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Legion on FX. I'm Jason. And I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. This is Legion Podcast Episode 7, the penultimate episode. And before we start, I just want to know, if you guys were locked in a coffin, how long would you scream and pound on the underside of the lid? Zero seconds, I think. Like, (laughs) actually, it would happen in reverse order of how it happened here. Like, I would go... Hmm, this is a bad situation. Uh, I'm going to try and find a way out. And then like an hour in, once I realized it's not happening, then I would start screaming and pounding. Yeah, I, I, I've done a lot of spelunking in my youth, and I've been in situations where I've been temporarily confined and couldn't yes. move and and kind of realized it, and I had to have a whole inner monologue of, don't freak out. People to freak out or in, end up dying. You're going to be fine. Just keep wiggling. And it's also like... Uh, when I see stuff like that, it makes me feel physically uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, like every once in a while, I've also, yeah. like, when I'm playing football, I get underneath a dog pile, not be able to move. And it does, I, it, it really freaks me out. And I have to really concentrate not to f- the fucking flip. So <laughs> I, I think, I don't know, it'd be a war between, you know, the rational British part of my mind and the animal <laughs> that just wants to get the fuck out of this box. So next yeah, week that, it'll that, be that the rational versions of all of us by the way in our british accents so look forward to <laughs> oh, that oh no because <laughs> oh, my Br- I, I can't hold british but for five seconds it slips to either australian or scotch <laughs> <laughs> mine is just some unidentifiable mismatch mishmash yeah <laughs> all right let's get into our top three top three highlights season one episode seven chapter seven what do you guys think in general uh in general i thought it was really good mm-hmm. uh i enjoyed this one a lot yeah, I, I thought this episode is awesome. I thought it felt very comic booky in the best kind of way, and a lot of the mo like like I thought it was really clever the way they did the multiple chalkboards that kind of suggests mm-hmm. like a panel style for a comic mm-hmm. book page, and mm-hmm. you know all the nods to the X Men continuity, and um, you know also the fact that they that the big reveal, which is something I'd kind of guessed a few you know quite a few episodes ago, like maybe that's part of my frustration with the middle part of the season that it just felt like it was him and Han for no good reason, but everything came together. And I thought it was awesome. It was awesome to see David become powerful. Uh, it was all I th- the way they kind of ended the standoff with time. I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't have much bad to say about this episode at all. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because this whole time the the tension of of like where you might find yourself unsatisfied is not quite knowing what's going on. And this episode was probably the most straightforward of any we've seen so far. And it Mm -hmm. really resolved that it just felt good to have something a little more solid, but that wouldn't have felt as good if the whole rest of the series hadn't been so shaky. Right. You know, (laughs) okay. I liked it too. Um, I thought it was really super imaginative, which I'm going to get into in my top three. Um, there was even a part of me that was like, ah, it doesn't quite feel like Legion because I understand what's going on. <laughs> but, okay. uh, <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> but uh, but I liked it. All right. Top three. Jim, why don't you go first? Uh, let's start off with the rational mind. I actually like the, the scenes with his rational mind quite a bit. I thought it was a pretty good joke that the rational mind is British. Uh, and... I really like the the imagery that they use there when he's in the coffin and kind of his rational mind slides in from the other direction and it, it illustrates kind of the difference between their mental states, right? They're they're completely opposite here. Mm-hmm. They're head to toe. Um, and not only that, but the rash, you know, part of the rational mind's function was to say, you don't need to be confined in this coffin. See, I'm over here. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I mean, 
you know, it, it wasn't all perfect. I thought maybe it was a little too... Uh, it's a pretty serious breakthrough for him in the span of two minutes with his rational mind to say, I'm not sick anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that is the nature of a breakthrough, but it seemed a little sudden for me um, and a little too concrete. They also explain it as like his, his, uh, the physical manifestation of his powers on the astral plane. Like your brain is so powerful that it's like resisting this effort to be contained. And this is the easy to digest version of how that's manifesting itself. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm ready to roll with comic book power within reason if I, if I understand how it works. So I didn't have that problem, but I can see where you would. Because it was sudden, like he didn't yeah. spin. He didn't it, spin, but like a commercial break in that coffin before <laughs> he started figuring shit out. It felt a little bit like, oh, it's uh, episode seven. There's only eight this season. He's gonna <laughs> right. better figure this all out. <laughs> well, it also sets up the tension at the end of the episode because guess what? You know, the parasites locked in the same coffin. How long mm-hmm. is it going to take for it to figure out? Um, by the end of the episode, not very damn long. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. seem like it. Some people seem to think that he deliberately went in there to let it out. But I, I didn't get that, that in the moment. That is a possibility that I think is exciting. The fact that like maybe a, a path forward in season two is he still has the Shadow King locked inside of him and he has to negotiate. It like, almost turns it into... Um, an incredible Hulk situation right. where like when debt, you know, like Bruce Banner would, would pref- prefer to keep the Hulk under lock and key. But sometimes, you know, well, f- Bruce doesn't have control, but it, even when he, when he, when he would, there's sometimes where, you know, the, sh- the, the, the fucking aliens come out of the, the, the wormhole and, and you gotta, you gotta unleash him. You gotta unleash the big green guy. I think it, it would be cool to have Aubrey Plaza kind of like, uh, locked away and let off the leash at certain key awesome points in the series <laughs> yeah yeah and it would be good it, to find a way to keep her in the series too yeah yeah and I, I would certainly not want him to be so carefully locked away that like aubrey plaza just couldn't you know lenny just couldn't intrude into the real world any you know whenever it would be dramatically or comedically beneficial like you know but but have her kind of declawed until until they they let him off the hook, and then that would also probably kick off a crisis too. Like I'm already, I guess, trying to write season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like the thing that's interesting for me about this, um, and with David kind of getting more into his right mind here, is it sets up an actual battle between two people, you, you know, two entities that are um, a little more equal than what we've seen before. David didn't even understand what was going on before. Now he does, and now he can fight it. Mm. And I think that's going to be an interesting battle for David's head, essentially. That is interesting. Right after he saw in his mind's eye his father waging that fight, then he kind of empowered him to do the same thing. All right. Aaron, what's your number three? Um, I thought that the... And I don't because I feel like I can be accused of um, kind of being wishy washy on this, but I thought that the style of um, the the ultimate confrontation where uh, 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 Oliver started weaving his verbal spell with I forget what that that piece of music's called Bolero I think Bolero that's it yeah. and like it turned into like a silent movie scored to that I thought that was a really clever and I don't know because I, I don't know why it, it drove me crazy the last time they dropped out the volume and I know you and Jim like that a lot and I, I was kind of lone descent 
but this and just kind of leaning into the silent movie style that and also kind of built from the Oliver's glasses, the way they visualize that being black and white. It kind of felt like everything organically wove together. And even the title cards for the silent movie sequences were inspired by the weird green and purple blocks from the credit sequence and mm-hmm. like kind of fourth wall breaking. But I thought that I mean, it was just an incredible incredible sequence i love to see like superpowers visualized and like oliver's like i guess kinetic spell he was weaving out of like words and i thought that was that was really cool and david like flexing his power and blowing through those doors and was was really cool and uh you know, then the Shadow King just rolling up the eyeball into a little basketball. Oh, man. <laughs> that was, that was appropriately horrifying and cool. So, yeah. like, I feel like that was the absolute pinnacle of the of the episode and the season. I, I think this is the best episode of the season, and that was the best scene of the episode. So that was that was my highlight. And we could probably go on and on about all the little touches and details that they they put in there. Why do you think she did that to Walter? Just done with him. I think she I was going to do that to said. everyone. I'm done with you. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. She like you know tormenting the bad guy is ultimately not as satisfying as tormenting the pure mm-hmm. innocence. So like, yeah, she. It's almost like this guy's a lesser devil and she's Satan. It's like, hey, you're getting you're you're a little too much into the pitchforks and hellfire. That's my job, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I can't have you terrorizing Carrie. That's my job. Well, I'll go into my. Uh, I'm going to switch order here, but one of mine was just imaginative things in this episode. It, mm-hmm. uh, the whole show takes place largely in the mind, so there's so many possibilities, and I think the show does a great job of exploring that. And there was just in this episode a bunch of different things, like you mentioned, conducting this bullet shield of words to the tune of Bolero. I love that. The um, the chalkboard animations, the even the globe room at the beginning that was sort of an evil control room or something that, you know, um, the demon was kind of monitoring the situation and walking around this frozen time room with the streaming bullet and the sparks kind of just moving at a really slow pace. The bullets are still turning. I love that. But I, I actually thought I wasn't sure the silent movie scene. I, on one hand really enjoyed it, but I felt like this kind of stuff. There's a part of me that's like, is it getting a little self-indulgent? Like, <laughs> like, are they doing it just because they're like, Hey, anything goes and this might be fun. I mean, I want, did you I, touch me, Jason? Did we switch bodies? I what, think what's so. Happened? I think so. <laughs> Cause I, I want it to at least make sense in the story universe somewhat. And I, the silent movie cards, I wasn't sure, like, who's seeing that? You know, my, my rational mind came in. It just mm. has an American uh-huh. accent, but it was just like, who's, who, who's seeing that? What, why is this happening? You know, it took me out of it just a little bit, even though it was a very enjoyable scene. Um, it reminded me, do you, I, this is probably um, too old, but did you guys, either one of you, watch Moonlighting with Bruce Willis? No. And, um, well, there was a uh, part like a few seasons in where they just kind of walked off the edge of the set and suddenly you could see all the cameras and lights and everything. And uh, it reminded me of that where it was very clever and fun, but also it just kind of felt like, oh, do, well, does it feel like nothing matters anymore because they're just doing things for the hell of it? 
So I don't know. I was of, of two minds on that, but, um, I think probably I should just let it go and enjoy it and let them, cause they, you can tell they're having a ton of fun with all of this and they're being really imaginative about it. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from on that. I felt a twinge of that too, but I think ultimately I come down on the side, uh, with Aaron this time, which is, you know, I thought it was more interesting than it was taking me out of the show. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, you know, ultimately I, it worked for me, I, but I get what you, what you're saying. I totally feel that way about, uh, and I'm going to talk more about this later, but Oliver's character, he, it takes me out of it <laughs> that it's basically Jermaine Clement doing his comedy, but I love Jermaine Clement's comedy. So I'm like, eh, I, I like it. I don't care if it takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I just to defend my paradoxical point here, I feel like anytime something happens in the astral plane, it's automatically less offensive to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and to, to, and to the extent that they, established that David's old childhood bedroom was a real place this episode, that still kind of irks me because I felt like they violated a lot of, you know, kind of rules when they did that because I did see people melt out of mirrors and all kinds of fantastic. Now, I mean, obviously there's, there's, there's the, the boundary between what's real and what's not is, is kind of hazy when you're dealing with psychic people, but to the extent that something's taking place in a dreamscape, uh, I, I, I'm fully on board with like going crazy and exploring, mm-hmm. exploring that. But, um, and that's probably why I didn't like the sound dropping off just for effect. And I felt that was a little masturbatory in the previous episode where this has felt like, you know, avant-garde for, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know if that if that makes me sound more rational, if that makes me sound more British uh, or not, but <laughs> there it is. Well, while we're talking about it, it seems like we all really like the style of this episode because, um, mm-hmm. you know, one, my number two is actually some of the effects in the episode um, and how good they were. Talk about the chalkboard animations. And uh, we talked about the eye briefly and him being crumpled up in the astral plane, but uh, one thing I didn't expect is when he would come back and he's just gushing in blood, uh, covered head to toe, and then they crumple him up on the floor in real life. <laughs> Your brain makes it real, Jim. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> makes it really fucking real. <laughs> Where's Trinity? We needed to ensure her to give him a lip lock and give yeah. him the jaws of life. And that really got me. Just that that little bit at the end there. Yeah, and- that was really really fucking crazy. Like it, it's like he's the house and poltergeist. He's just like just <laughs> yeah. warping into himself, and it looks really good. I mean, well yeah. done. <clears throat> even though it was gross and then i guess in the real world though it's uh the guy he was inhabiting rudy's body or disguised as rudy and yeah his face is bleeding but he he wasn't crumpling in the real world was he no oh, when yeah. they came when they fully he came did. back after the time came back and david caught the bullets yep then he yeah did. showed him like uh like rolling up like like the witch <laughs> wicked witch of the west after the house dropped on her she was just <laughs> Uh, it was biza- that was another bizarre choice because I'm with you. Like he he can bleed out of every one of his orifices because of psychic trauma, but like literally having his joints crack and fold and break like that, I don't see what the mechanism is. If you had that power, you could just work at a recycle center or something. Or an oh yeah, <laughs> right. I think of Doctor Manhattan when he like you know takes apart that tank and just like think 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 what he could do for the environment if he would just go over landfills and just like separate <laughs> you know he could just he could just separate separate them all into their yeah. like el- pure elemental forms like look at all this copper <laughs> yeah forget magnetic non magnetic yeah we'll just 
yeah, take it apart by atom by atom. Shit, yeah, mm-hmm. silica, gold, all that. Like he, he you know, he's uh, he he be he'd be the real Captain Planet, but instead he goes to Vietnam and explodes Vietnamese people. Right, that's, that's not a misuse, cool. basic misuse misuse of his powers, man. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, number uh, two. Is it my turn? Yep. Okay, I um. Phew. I hope you guys. I'm gonna. Tr- I'm gonna trust that you're not gonna. You're gonna not gonna snipe my my last topic, um, because I got some some big implications stuff to s- discuss at the end. Um, but I like so I made some predictions last week about like Oliver making use of psychic technology and um, speaking of masturbatory. I really liked it when some of that stuff came to fruition, like that the suit and the glasses that he had constructed in the dreamscape mm-hmm. were ways to give people without his powers the ability to manifest like some protection, like they're these psychic talismans. And the way they visualize those working, like a literal deep-sea diving suit is protecting you from the rigors of, of traveling in the psychic plane and keeping you safe from the Shadow King and... Uh, the fact these glasses can can reveal the illusions around you, um, I thought that was that was really cool and and very well realized. Uh, my only gripe is I don't understand why they revealed Lenny as Aubrey Plaza. Like I was really hoping that they would see um, either a uh, third a, a new aspect of like mm-hmm. what the true. Uh, Aruk Vahal, or what? What the hell is his name? Ar- Amal Farouk. Amal Farouk, like like some other person we haven't seen before that we like understand might be the real what quote unquote real Shadow King, whatever the hell that would mean, or have him revert to the the yellow blob, uh, mm-hmm. the yellow eyed devil, because it, it seemed inconsistent that to the extent that Lenny is not real, quote unquote, why looking at her with these black and white glasses wouldn't reveal her true aspect. But I mean, the whole thing sort of didn't make sense to me because if the idea of the glasses is that they're supposed to uh, show what's real and they're on this mental projection, I mean, nothing's real, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. even oh, the hospital's not real. So that that was another little thing that, that took me out of it just a little bit. I mean, I think people's minds would be real to the extent that if you roll with the Matrix residual self-image philosophy. Uh, but you're right, the escape itself what would that even look like mm-hmm. i guess the like because when when david was traversing the wild uh astral plane it looked like just a flat featureless fog ridden scape right i yeah. guess that's what i, I you're, you're 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 right you're right i didn't go far enough my criticism there jason <laughs> <laughs> we switched bodies so what are you gonna in do? fact you know what fuck it this episode sucked <laughs> oh, no. oh we switched back <laughs> <laughs> it only lasts so long. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, my turn, right? Mm-hmm. I think. So my number two is we got some confirmations of things that we'd already talked about, and had they kind of been uh, even some. God damn it! We were you were not supposed to tread on my third point there. You, we, just, we made <laughs> hey, a, a gentleman's agreement. Jump in, <laughs> jump in whenever you want. So yeah. Carrie confirms that. We got some revelations, too, but here's some confirmations. Carrie confirms that Oliver manifested his cryogenic state into this literal ice cube, which we had talked mm-hmm. about, uh, that the monster possessed David for revenge against his father and poisoned his whole life, made him crazy, fed on his powers. It, Oliver said the monster had been spending all his energy tricking David and had also been getting stronger over the years. So this sort of helps explain why now is the time for him to come out also there was something about because of sid 
uh, David woke up to it. And so all those things together kind of help explain why he'd been hiding out this whole time, but now's the time to, to act. Uh, one thing, uh, one of the listeners, Lara Willie Swink said, if you go back to episode one montage, when you see toddler David sitting on the floor, just as you see the scene dissolve, the toy that looks like the shadow King begins to turn on its own on the floor. Just like we see the chalkboard shadow King turning the doll in David's diagram. Mm. I think going back to the beginning, uh, you'd probably catch a lot of stuff like that in this show. Right. Holly planned it all out. Here's some of the uh, revelations. Oh, wait. Sid said that they had to distract the monster, quote, who looks like Lenny, but isn't. So that implies that there is actually a Lenny apart from the monster. If she's. Uh, You don't think so? I think it's a weak implication. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's how that's how she knows it. You know, it's like, you know, is is Ace Ventura the white devil or is that just how they know him? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oliver said he read David's mind when he was there. So that implies he's a telepath. That's a revelation. And then David figuring out his history, the whole chalkboard scene. This part I feel a little bit critical of because he's saying. I had a mom and dad, and if Lenny knew him, then he was probably a mutant like me, psychic, I'm guessing. That seems like a leap. Uh, For one thing, how does he know Lenny knew him? And if he did, then why would that make him a psychic mutant? And then he assumed that his dad fought the monster and won, and the monster's body didn't survive, but his mind did. I mean, there were a lot of leaps there that didn't make sense to me. British David asserted that he knows everything the monster knows so it's more of a like yeah. if he can like, I, I felt like that was a visualization of him unpeeling the layers of things that he has already known and absorbed at a subconscious basis so some of those some of those leaps that were right on mm-hmm. i just took as him like you know essentially uncovering the deception the shadow kings laid got on. got it i mean they presented it as if oh let's just logically parse right. this all out but but yeah you're right he did say you know everything and, and, and maybe because I, I i went through uh you know mr robot 101 and 201 i'm i'm adept at the whole oh if he knows something then i know it and i can just fucking think hard enough to unlock that <laughs> shit but it seemed like it made it seemed like it made sense to me the other thing the chalkboard dad is he's bald he's psychic he shoots psionic blasts in the astral plane <laughs> he sounds like sean connery or He's got a chrome even. wheelchair with X for wheels. Patrick Come on. Stewart, yeah. So perhaps I yeah. feel like we could go ahead and talk about the fact that they're pretty much clearly saying that uh, David Holler's father is Professor. Yes, I- I'm surprised they didn't just come out and say it here. Honestly. Yeah. Like, they were hinting at it so strongly. I, You know, sometimes I think they do that just so the fans can be smug. <laughs> I like know when they're, that when is. They're, okay. when, yeah. when they're dealing with their muggle family that doesn't give a fuck about there's like, oh, you know, they can, because <laughs> that is a real thing. Nerds like to feel smug now and then. Uh, I'm yeah. no exception. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I thought it was also a really nice touch because, so David's rational mind is him speaking with a British accent, but it's not quite Dan Stevens' natural accent. And I went, um, while I was prepping, I went mm. and watched a couple of YouTube videos of him giving an interview. Mm. It was a little somewhere between, I think, his natural speaking accent and his like posh received British accent he uses for Cousin Matthew on Downton Abbey. <laughs> right. um, but I do think when he was kind of talking, doing his dad talk, like that was him trying to do a. Uh, Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah, Dan Stevens' yeah. 
doing an American guy, doing, David, doing Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, yeah. Stewart's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really <laughs> w- was really funny in his rational mind. Like, are you trying to do it? Because it's, you know, it's it's so, it's so it's like a reference that collapses in on itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Love I it. thought that was really, really, really funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad we're not pussyfooting around there because I thought it was, like, all but spelled out that. Yeah. Which leaves me with a lot of questions um, about this you know summerlands fit in with the broader mutant world like you know i feel like professor x should be a big deal in this timeline and his school but it's not and i just need to not care because like that that will be revealed in the fullness of time and it is also like you don't have to have uh, i mean i mean this isn't so this is a fox sony production right it's not it's not any i've been asking about whether it's part of the marvel cinematic universe it can't be no because marvel doesn't X-Men own the universe, rights yeah 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 so the it, it might be part of the x-men cinematic universe which i kind of doubt but it's certainly not part of the marvel cinematic universe right absolutely there needs to be a lot more negotiation and Although, money pay the, before that happens the weird thing is marvel tv is worked on by uh the same people so jeff Loeb, he's a marvel executive he works on the netflix movies which are part of the marvel cinematic right. universe he also they works certainly, on this yeah. so marvel tv huh. is is more connected at least business-wise than marvel movies right. are but i don't but existing within the same universe i well, would see, say if they were I thought, have to pick one here it would be the same one as the x-men movies and so, not the so the way movies. i understood it is like the marvel movies like everybody even logan gets to run the marvel logo in front of it yeah. but there's a separate marvel studios that is like that's the in that's where you get the mcu and that's what runs in front of like all the mcu movies and the like daredevils and you know jessica jones and stuff yeah. whereas you can't have any mutants in the marvel cinematic universe right you can't have x-men but you can't have spider-man because sony loaned spider-man to them right right <laughs> it was uh it was a hostage negotiation <laughs> exactly did I, I go out of order? Because uh, three uh, years ago, I would have said, fucking let Marvel have everything. But if we did that, then we wouldn't have Logan, and we, which was awesome. And we wouldn't have Legion, which seems like it's going to be awesome. So you got to be careful what you wish for, kids. <laughs> Tell me Captain America is not a mutant. Or Spider-Man. Like, oh, he got bitten by a radioactive spider, which, mapped, which completely remapped his right. DNA. But he's not a mutant. <laughs> no, okay. they're not. Mutants are born with their powers. Hmm. hmm. I, that's suspect to me. Hmm. That's the definition. <laughs> <laughs> According to whom? Stanley. So Stan like, Lee. say that. Yeah. Okay. That's like I <laughs> think like 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 I feel like mutant is a uh, is a societal label and much less a scientific diagnosis in the Marvel universe. Super this is like is gay. Different. Like gay. Gay is just something that the that the homosexual people have have, have embraced as the label. It doesn't mean they're necessarily happy. Well, mutants, <laughs> yes, they, 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 they have mutations, but Spider-Man's over there like, I'm a mutant too. Like, fuck no, you you, you got bit by a spider, dumbass. Like, you were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's no, a perfect no analogy. Because yeah, no true mutant. <laughs> most gay people are, are, you know, I would say all, are born that Whoa. way. Whoa. So, that's so, a okay. gross so, overgeneralization. So Spider-Man is like the guy who was totally straight but had this amazing experience with, like, Johnny Depp or something and then turned. Hey man, does that make him any less gay than people who are born that way? LGBTQIS for Spider Man. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right. I don't know where uh, we are. I think Jim. I think, I think I'm up. <laughs> I think I'm up for number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, this is a bit of a negative point. And I'm sure they're going to cover it next episode, but I felt like this was the time to do it. And they kind of glossed over it. I was totally underwhelmed with the reuniting of Melanie and Oliver. I actually was surprised with how little, like, how unimportant they made it. Like, this is the most significant thing to Melanie. She should be... So they had this moment when they're in the the astral plane still, right? And they're reunited. Um, and I expected them to do some kind of version where he's, like, hitting on her. And this is kind of, like, reminiscent for her of the first time they met. Um, that kind of thing to where it would feel... Because they set this up with his memory being gone. Um, for the most part, like not even being able to remember simple words and concepts, uh, but they like immediately move on. And then even when they're all like really safe, like they, they've got David's demon contained, they're outside in the real world, their bodies are safe and they're having breakfast. There's still nothing from her. And I, I was just waiting for the big moment and they never, it never came. Uh, The first thing he said was. On the chest of a barmaid in sale were tattooed the prices of ale, and on her behind, for the sake of the blind, was the same information in Braille, <laughs> which was a classy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Th- that, was, that was a pretty big moment. You're right. So I want to <laughs> push. I want to push back on two axes against this. Um, okay. Number one, I don't think they did a very good a job of establishing his memory loss. That very much felt like something they invented the first episode to to. Uh-huh. To, to somehow deal with this should being a moment for both of them that they got better shit to do. Um, like, I got in none in his original dealings with David that he right. was addled into brain. Like, he was a, he was, he was maybe frozen in time, but yeah. there was nothing like I'm struggling with f- f- basic human words like no, dishes. No, there was. There was. Was some. there? I can't remember what it was, but I hmm, guess that's yeah. sort of appropriate <laughs> given hmm. what we're talking about. But I, I'm okay. pretty sure there was something like that yeah but i yeah i definitely didn't get that in the, the first other scene thing is mm-hmm. to the extent that he doesn't remember that she's his wife mm-hmm. uh i thought that they nailed the fact that she was being overcome with emotion but she also is professional enough that she had shit to do and like one of my but then breakfast breakfast man they should have talked mm. they should have done she should have it should have been a big moment for but her isn't, and it didn't feel like but it. but isn't that like what she does like she grabs troubles troubled mutants and slowly leads them to understand their condition and their place in it the is, world. It is, but so like, earlier she was being blinded by her yeah. quest for to get Oliver back. Now she's suddenly not. Yeah. Like, I, when when she has him in her grasp, like, I, I don't understand it. Okay. It felt pretty uh, inconsistent. From his I kind of liked like, it because I thought, you know, he, he obviously doesn't remember her, which is sort of heartbreaking for her, but at the same time, she's uh-huh. really happy to see him and be near him. And so what do you do with that information? I mean, I think it would have been... Um, the typical expected thing for there to be a big dramatic moment, but instead she's just kind of hanging back and waiting for him to come around. And he's sort of slowly coming around, you know, I think I remember you. It'll come to me. Yeah. Like I said, I think they're going to do it next episode. I just felt like it should have been bigger for her this episode, Mm -hmm. but they had a lot to do this episode (laughs) right on. Yeah. This episode had the least amount of romance, I would say so far. No, nothing between yeah. Sid and David, really. Or right, not, not much. Hey, I mean, he caught the, he he caught the bullets for her. That was pretty that was pretty romantic. That's true. Not letting your girlfriend get killed. That was pretty <laughs> awesome too. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I what power? I mean, so is that a telekinetic power? Is that? Uh, I mean, it's got to be right. He slowed down the yeah. bullet somehow, mm-hmm. in a in, a, in a, a brief instant millisecond kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're gonna. Do, I, I, I kind of wish that they just let uh, Oliver fucking catch him with a psychic shield. I thought that would have been boss, and the end result is the same. And like her coming to the real world to fuck. I I didn't see where that came from like how the hell did she happen to have a i mean i know this is like not literally what it is it's just i guess a a a bit of her consciousness was aware that something was going on in the real world but i don't understand how she was able to see that and nip it in the bud in time and since i think it would be cooler for oliver to stop with the psychic shield and ultimately didn't matter anyway and it was like 30 seconds of scenes otherwise like i'm not sure why they did it other than i guess david had to fucking do it himself and that's important to the story it was kind of fun to see uh, Aubrey Plaza just swat Jermaine Clement away. Right. Mm-hmm. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, and it did give her another another crazy thing to do. I mean, one thing that confused me on first viewing was uh, this, uh, the guy uh, Rudy, who's telekinetic and he was drooling blood, and so mm-hmm. I kept thinking, because his face is sort of generic in my opinion that he that that was the drooling guy that we've been seeing it is it is it was yeah was it that so that was one of my because because if remember i say like (laughs) if 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 the eye took over rudy why is both the rudy and the eye in the mental hospital and why is rudy fuck a a drooling idiot and now it makes perfect sense that i put a knife in Rudy's chest and stowed him in the closet and then used Mm -hmm. his chameleon power because we saw him take over David's old uh, uh, therapist therapist when he was at the crazy funhouse lighthouse. So that was entirely consistent with his powers and would explain why all of them were pulled into the psychic realm. Uh, So apparently what happened is Melanie in fat slow time whispered some kind of words of encouragement to Rudy that allowed him to man up just enough to tackle the psychic king or the, the, the shadow king in the astral plane. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was relieved because it, it cleared up a lot of confusion I had over the last episode. Well, one thing I like about that is we've seen this drooling guy with spittle coming down, but it's, it's frozen in time. So it, I don't under. I still don't totally understand it, but it relates to what ended up happening. So that's kind yeah. Of cool. I think he was just unconscious and dying this whole time. Why mm-hmm. they were not? Mm-hmm. That's why he looked like he was on clonopin or whatever. <laughs> All right. Is it? I think it's your turn, Aaron. All right. Well, you did leave me some space to talk about the other big concept things. And beginning, you mentioned the map room, and Aubrey Plaza was tear assing around that, screaming, "What did he do with it? What did he do with oh, it?" Oh yeah. Good question. Any speculation on what, who is he and what is it? I, that's a big question of this episode. And I think it's supposed to be. I would like to advance a theory. Okay. To the extent we found that we got confirmed that the Shadow King is a parasite that was a former human. Like they, they, they he wasn't like a human in the sense of like born without a body. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if like Charles Xavier didn't knock him the fuck out of his body and like he's looking he wants to be reunited with his original body and he's one when he's saying it like you know you, you separated my consciousness from my body you hid your child from me to keep me keep him from having revenge where where is it um that's well by this time wouldn't it be like worm food 
Unless he's frozen. Yeah, I mean, we got look at Jermaine Clement's been on ice for thirty years. Like yeah. this is this is the this is the X Men man. He can be chilling in like uh uh what's that thing that they the the, the prison the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I know it's DC, but <laughs> I'm sure Marvel's Whatever. got an equivalent. We got right? Two Face in this episode, so uh, exactly. Right. And then so the other thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, what became of the eye? It seems pretty clear that the eye's physical body is dead because it got it got it got wrapped up and shoved in a in, in a in a Samsonite luggage like so many Swedish ambassadors from the Americans. Um, but the dude that got blown up in the first episode came back and now he's got a milky white eye. Like, is it is 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 this now the is is he going to come back next uh, season and be called Twix? Because he's 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 uh, you know graham cracker chocolate and caramel all mixed together. Or I should have gone with Reese's cup. Damn it, damn it, that was the one. Is he going to be called Reese because he's he's peanut butter and chocolate mixed together now? We don't know his name. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be Reese. I just told you. <laughs> it's the it's the eye inhabiting this guy's body. Mm. It's got to be right. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I like David's therapist be... had a fucked up face and the milky white eye right, ended up yeah. being the eye. This guy comes back, fucked yes. up face, milky white eye. He's going to be <laughs> okay. the eye. Yeah, it seems yeah. like they're leaning that way. You were right. Yeah, we should never question you after the whole Shadow <laughs> King thing. <laughs> but I don't know, like, I don't know the mechanism for that to actually happen. I don't know that the eye can do that, like project himself into other people's bodies. Uh, I, I We know that he can, like, appear as other people. But can he get his consciousness into someone else? I, I don't right. know. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Or, I mean, or maybe David could do it, or maybe Farouk yeah. could do it. I mean, there are players on the table that could do it. The inconsistency, I agree with you there, Jim. And I was shocked to see him come back with the milky white eye. The inconsistency mm-hmm. there is not only did his body die in graphic yeah. fashion, but it seemed like he died on the astral plane too. So what the hell's left? Right. Like I can see, if your astral projection gets killed, you leave behind a drooling vegetable. Yeah. If your astral plane is alive and your body, physical body, gets destroyed, then you're, you're you know stuck. a psychic parasite. Yeah. But when both of them get the matrix treatment, then what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, in which case it's sort of um, frustrating and confusing to have this guy have that milky white eye and make us. Because it, it does seem like with the language of the show, they're trying to tell us that, ooh, that's yeah. the eye. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Got to watch right. out for the eye. Ooh. All right, so Speaking my, of the eye, my two points. Who, whose eyes are those up on the wall? I Is that the I, eye's eye? I, I'm guessing it was Linny. Yeah, I think but so. Linny? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 was trying, yeah, I was trying to pay attention to Aubrey Plaza's eyes when I saw them <laughs> to see, because they're, they're very distinct and almost exotic huh. looking. Uh, and I think Aubrey Plaza's peepers qualify. And she's the for, master for that. of that realm, I would say. She she created it. Right. Yeah. Although it could also be Sid, because she was portrayed as kind of being woke throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that she was seeing through the illusion from the jump. Mm-hmm. And the only one that really was. Which, that was a great scene, too, when her and, like, Carrie's mm-hmm. trying to you know, explain to her in the cone of isolation, and she's just, like, <laughs> three pages ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to find a way to do those kind of expository plot moving scenes in a fun way. And that was it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. 
All right, my number one is Oliver. I guess we've talked some about him, but there just some quirky, funny things. I like that he thought he and David are actually going to start a barbershop quartet. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, he kept being disappointed in little aspects of reality, like he thought they were literally saving daylight and (laughs) seems pretty disappointed that his wife isn't Asian. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then he's so excited to be, or no, that's Carrie's so excited to be back with him. He's finishing his sentences, which is Mm -hmm. an old habit, as he said, and Oliver's annoyed with it. I like that. He describes the Shadow King as he's too virile psychically. That's good. Right. Um, And then the whole limerick. And a couple of questions. Is it weird that he hasn't aged while cryogenically frozen, or I guess that would be expected? I think that's, yeah, that makes sense sense to me. If you're literally frozen. Comic books. Yeah. Now... How he woke up in a cryogenic frozen state and then in the span of it taking them a couple however long to walk back to Summerland, he's cooking breakfast, breakfast for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a good question. Yeah. But it is. you know it's yeah. comic book shit, man. Comic it's book suspension shit. Of disbelief. But uh or sci fi, yeah. I was thinking about him a little bit. You know, the whole his whole problem was he got addicted to the astral plane and then ended up stuck there. And I think that fits with his character. He's he's a hedonist. He loves to drink his um, martinis even while like commandos are attacking. He takes a little sip. I noticed, which I loved. Uh, but uh, you know, the lure of this reality where he can manifest anything is attractive to him. So now that he's free, is he going to have to be in like rehab? You know, astroplane rehab or something like that, so he doesn't <laughs> do it again. Yeah, it could be. So, uh, um. Is that what happened? Are you asserting that or is that your theory? Because I feel like it's also plausible to say that he got in prison. He got uh, somehow shanghaied by Walter or the Shadow King. Oh, the reason why I say that is because of the way that Melanie has talked about him in episodes before that he uh-huh. liked this reality. And then one day he just didn't come back. So I think we've hmm. at least from her perspective seen that he kept visiting it over and over again because he liked it but who knows why he ended up getting stuck there yeah fair enough i think the most exciting part about this episode perhaps is that uh jermaine clement is gonna be in this more in the real world now right yeah get shot next episode no (laughs) come on they can't do that to us (laughs) yeah i'd like to see that he's great so a few notes um shorter runtime this week 43 minutes which i think was good actually tight episode mm-hmm. yep uh let's see uh, to find out you've had this previously undiagnosed problem since you were a little baby and then there's a possibility of curing it is is pretty cool like i i identify with that i have amblyopia so basically my left eye can't focus and so I was mm. thinking, uh, what if somebody came along and said, hey, check this out. If you do this one thing, you can get rid of that. That that was appealing. I don't know. I think I think you're risking uh, – you're tempting fate there with your curly hair and your eye. Uh, <laughs> could, right. You could turn into a real monster, Jason. <laughs> That's right. Just watch yourself. I forgot. Right. I do have a special contact, so it doesn't – weird people out the milky whiteness of that one eye. <laughs> <laughs> stay the hell away from me with for, for me with your leeches man <laughs> uh 
Uh, let's see. I thought it was funny when David slipped into some neurosis there in his uh, psychic classroom saying, maybe they just didn't want me. And rational mm-hmm. David's like, focus. And he goes, right. I am pretty. I am loved. Yep. I'm pretty <laughs> being the f- most important. Uh-huh. 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 uh da- oh, I love yeah. it. Oh, go ahead. I said the other thing about that, I, I heard it said because I was not, um, I was slightly too old and busy being an adult when the X, during the height of the X-Men TV show. Mm-hmm. But I guess that the chalkboard battle between Professor Professor X and the Shadow King was essentially a shot-for-shot redo of their actual <laughs> battle in the old 90s oh, X-Men wow. cartoon. Nice. Um, it was really so cool on the it, show, too, to, the extent, to see that. To the extent that that's true, I thought that's a really cool detail. Absolutely. Like above and beyond just the idea of visualizing that on the chalkboard. It was cool to watch, too. Just how oh, yeah. they were fighting and then... Said, I thought this episode was was unusually entertaining from a visceral standpoint, yeah. as opposed to which is saying a lot cere- for this show, right? Because this this show, mm-hmm. to the extent it's been engaging, has been much more cerebrally engaging, um, and this was just fun. This was just fun. Uh, there there was a lot of fun and joy in this episode that's kind of been missing uh, here and there in the season. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I love that David's sister can't figure out how to make the coffee maker work, but <laughs> right. Because she doesn't belong there and she's not special like everyone else. That's right. What <laughs> uh, and Carrie versus Carrie. We didn't talk about yeah, you know, the, the Carrie problems um, that we get this episode. Clearly, the female Carrie is annoyed that male Carrie left her when she needed him. Uh, so I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but there's some animosity there. Well, uh, on one hand, I was thinking, yeah, that's a serious transgression and she should be upset. But on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, she could use, she needs to um, face some challenges on her own and grow a little bit. Yeah. To the extent that I've identified her as the couch surfing, uh, you know, grasshopper to the adult carries hardworking aunt, my patience for her kvetching and bitching and moaning about him abandoning her when ultimately that led to all their salvation. Like, I feel like that's just mm-hmm. a short conversation. You abandoned me. Uh, no, I followed a psychic uh, submariner to his fortress of solitude. He gave us all this rad weaponry, and we fought and beat the Shadow King. Right. Uh-huh. And now we can all live. And then she, and then she doesn't instantly say, all right, it's going to take up. It's going to take a while for my emotional self to catch up to the rational self. But I see your point. Like I fucking hate that shit. I think it's so tedious, especially since she's kind of portrayed as slightly spoiled and like head up her ass and naive anyway. Like I do not want like episodes and episodes of the two carries at war with each other. I think that's dumb. I, it's interesting though that these two are fighting who are so you know important to each other. Uh, I mean they're inhabit the same body but i saw an interview with the actress and she was talking about the character and she pretty much said the same thing that oh yeah she's very her she's kind of emotionally stunted because she only comes out occasionally and it's mostly to learn how to fight no it does seem like she's like a you know 16 17 year old and so with with a less less adjusted life experiences so Mm -hmm. i I, i'm grading on a curve i'm just saying like man that's sort of my personal kryptonite there Um, it seems like the, they were, you know, it looked like things were about to wrap up neatly until the shit hit the fan at the end with division three. And, uh, I feel like there's still some unanswered stuff and I don't know if they're going to 
talk about that next episode or there's the thing about what uh, Lenny was saying in the beginning, you know, what did he do with it? But also the whole thing with the world's angriest boy in the world and the, just that scene that they kept going back to at his childhood bedside with his father with a blurry face. I feel like that still needs to be addressed. Don't you think? I feel like, so I'm starting to come up with the idea that that world's angriest boy shit is all about the Shadow King. He's the world's angriest mm. boy, not David. This is all his baggage. Okay. Um, because, like, and I even wonder, like, all these things, like, it doesn't make sense that his father, you know, like, that he has these this these these positive memories of is also reading him these menacing things about him killing his mother. And also, David didn't kill his mother, right? We don't know. Do we? Well, I'm, I'm sure his sister would have mentioned that, right? <laughs> At some point, like, like, especially when she's being especially cruel yeah, to him. Um, right. So I feel like, and that would have come up on the chalkboard revelation. I, I feel like that this is all his back. And I, mm. I, I know it probably seems like I'm cheating, but I have the very barest sketch of the Shadow King. Like he <laughs> was not a big part of the, the the history when I was reading up on it. I was just aware of him as a character. So I I didn't know his real name. I certainly didn't don't know anything about his deep sad backstory, but I'm starting to wonder if this angriest boy in the world stuff isn't isn't more about him than it is about mm-hmm. David. Either way, don't you feel like that's material for the show to address? Oh for sure. Still. For sure. It's gonna be somebody's backstory, obviously. Yeah. I have one other question for you guys. Since you covered both seasons of Fargo, I think a lot of times when you see a a new creation from any kind of an artist, it informs their earlier stuff. Sometimes it actually makes you like the earlier stuff less or more or just changes your perspective. Did that happen with you guys at all with Fargo? Kind of in a negative way that I've come and and, um, I've come away from Noah Hawley, certainly I'm not going to say he doesn't have talent and he's, he's pretty amazing, but I don't think he has his own voice. Mm. I think he is more interested in aping and exploring other people's voice and sensibilities than he is in coming up with kind of a, um, a style of his own. And so what, can you explain that a little bit more? Like what, what yeah, styles? like like for example, like I feel like he's heavily influenced by the Wes Anderson yeah. kind of palette of things in this. And like when you see uh the Fargos, there's such a mashup of the the Cohen brothers works uh to their own detriment in fact. Like uh the biggest problem I had in season 2, there's this plot with aliens uh that was I feel like he felt like he had to hit because oh, there's an there's a slight alien flavoring in one of the Coen brothers films and I need to get that there. And even if it doesn't make sense in this plot or doesn't say the thing that that they were trying to say in that movie, and I'm going to try to shoehorn in it to make it fit. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's not, I I don't want to talk shit about Noah Hall because I definitely think he's talented. I just kind of, I guess I would like to see him because the Coen brothers, I mean, one of the things I really like about them is they just they they kind of I guess they have a style, but sometimes they come out with like a Fargo or a No Country for Old Men that's like nothing like anything <laughs> they've ever done before, and mm-hmm. and also like uh you know they've also got the Raising Arizona and the uh the Big Lebowski Lane. 
But then they'll come out with an old brother, where art thou, which is kind of in that same sphere, but also a completely unique look and feel and sensibility to it. And can Noah Hawley do something like that? I don't know, because it just seems like all of his projects intentionally ape other more successful directors mm. and, and and filmographers than than him. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Well, well, you, do you, one do you thing... feel me on that, Jim? Because you're you're the other Fargo aficionado. Um. Yeah, I mean, if so, I could see if you know people were talking about him in the same breath as like a Scorsese or or a Wes Anderson or anybody who's really kind of defined cinema um, or television in the way that those kinds of people have. Maybe he wouldn't be uttered in the same breath yet. Um, you know, it's it's that old adage: the good artists borrow, great artists steal. Uh-huh. Um, I would say he is certainly in the good category um, and firmly in the good category and has potential to move into the great category. But yeah, I I guess I would like to see what he could do with sort of an original IP, right? Like just kind of let him take Mm -hmm. a project where he wants to take it as opposed to, um, you know, having this this outline with with the kind of Fargo stuff or with the Legion stuff. You've got the outlines of Fargo and and the the brothers in general and then also the X-Men, so... Right. And I guess I'd like to see his next uh, project be something that's like more wholly, wholly original. Right. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you. And it's kind of the same way I feel I was talking about having Jermaine Clement basically doing his comedy Mm -hmm. in this. It's like, yeah, it feels like it's from something else, but it's so good that. I'm okay with it, <laughs> you know. Same thing with Noah Hawley. Like he does, he he pulls in all these elements that we've seen before, but he does it so well. And one thing that's really helping me appreciate Legion even more than I already did is I started watching Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, if you want to appreciate Legion more, I would say start watching Iron Fist. I watched the two minute trailer that was they play. If you just don't watch the Iron Fist, if you just hover on it. And I was because I, I read Alan Steppenwall's review, and I'm just like, oh wow! Like, <laughs> I, there's a scene where uh, the night, you know, uh, Sir Lawrence, uh, Loris was like doing this jumping punch thing at a door, and I'm just like that is executed such so so terribly. Yeah, um, yeah, it looks pretty bad. How I many mean, have you made? It, have you made it through the whole way? Yeah, well, no, I'm like halfway, but it is enough like potato chips that I probably will finish, but. I'm right, groaning the whole time. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, all right, good. Or do you have any more notes about this app? I have, any? but but it's 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 spoiler type of stuff. I have okay, one more note. It. Save it for the end, Jim. One more note. I think that Oliver has really picked the perfect drink for his situation. He's picked a drink that traditionally doesn't have any ice in it. That always needs to be icy cold though. <laughs> and so the martini is like the perfect drink for this guy. <laughs> fits his time, fits his look, fits everything. Oh, actually there's two other things I want to talk about that's not spoiler. I just want to ask what the audience to speculate because I I've I um haven't had a, a lot of time to think about this. This is something I want to kind of research more for next week, but I noticed there was a couple of minor notes like uh, when Lenny uh, was going to assault uh the eye and Sid and Carrie she has this old timey flashlight that says USS Ambush on it. 
And I wonder what is that from? I is don't that... I don't know because I spent all my time researching the next thing, which is there is a poster in the mental hospital where uh, uh, Lenny was hanging out that said Enceladus, uh, which I looked up, which is a the one of the six moons of Saturn, but it's also a, a Titan. Uh, from 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 Greek mythology, the Titans you'll recall were the offspring of Uranus. Just so I don't you know, get the Uranus <laughs> joke, and Jim giggles for fifteen minutes. <laughs> uh, it, it was was the offspring of of uh, 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 the, the tried to dethrone the Greek gods, and ultimately they prevailed. And Enceladus was the chief antagonist of Athena, uh, who is the goddess you know of wisdom and and Warcraft. And uh, StarCraft and uh, Koreans everywhere. No, uh, goddess of wisdom, uh, craft, and, and war. And I, I wonder what that means. Like, is, is Athena Sid here that she's battling this giant for the for for you know uh, the control of David? Um, who is Athena in this situation? That's like that's the opposition. I think the you know the Titan is obviously the Shadow King. Mm-hmm. Even they the way they drew him, he's just this monstrous just this 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 thing that's like you know size of king kong over over david's uh house and whatnot and i was wondering like i, I didn't have enough time to like get it lots into research but i thought some of those like background details might be hints for where they're going towards season i mean you never know though Hall. they could be hints for season two or they could just be stuff that he threw up there because he likes it thematically and how mm-hmm. it reinforces the story he's telling mm-hmm. so yeah now i'm done yeah i think any she seems to be the most Athena-like of anybody, assuming Athena needs to be a woman. Although I guess if you were going over the goddess of war, Could uh, be maybe Carrie. Huh? Carrie yeah, yeah, I was going Carrie's the other direction on that. Right, right. And uh-huh. she seems to have some kind of transformative event. Like you know, that might be the first time. Is she's not only she's alone, but she's actually felt fear. Seems like that. There's a that that's something that's going to launch an arc for her. Yeah. I really do think that will end up being good for her, as cruel as that might sound. Yeah, sometimes you just got to be chased by a horrifying <laughs> mental rapist through a desolate astral planescape. It builds it's, character. To grow as a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, edit that part out. No. Just okay, good. Let's move on to listener feedback. <clears throat> I'll go first. Tiffany Thames says, guess David's going to let the Shadow King out to handle those guys. That was her take. It'd be interesting to see if that's actually true. I mean, I <laughs> thought it was pretty ballsy for Division Three. <laughs> like, surely they know what happened at the headquarters. Like, hey, this guy blasted us all through concrete to hell and back, and mm-hmm. we're going to show up with our same guns and not get <laughs> turned into silly putty instantly. Yeah. Um, I guess the big question is, is David without the Shadow King going to be able to handle these guys or is he going to have to let like like tiffany says the shadow king off the hook to 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 handle them mm-hmm. or does something else happen yeah i want to comment on the teaser but i'll save it for the spoiler section gotcha <laughs> next uh laura willie swink says for an episode that was more direct and straightforward than any we've seen prior this episode was insane who knew the eye would go out like a discarded gum wrapper? Aubrey Plaza is hardcore, and if there is a god, Jermaine Clement will be back in season two. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Laura. This <laughs> season two, Jermaine Clement all the way. Yeah, even if there's no god, hopefully. He'll be <laughs> yes, maybe the god is Jermaine Clement. Or Jermaine Clement. 
Uh, Tiffany Holland. Hello, everyone. I really enjoyed the show tonight. Too bad it takes six episodes to really enjoy it, though. But I always give a show at least one season before I quit. I got to say, the way they brought the storyline together gave me a lot of clarity. Finally, you guys told us who the yellow-eyed demon was, but to actually see things play out uh, worked for me. All in all, an amazing episode. I will definitely be watching next season. I still don't understand all those people that are encircling David in episodes one through three screaming at them, though. Uh, hmm. I not sure. I'm. I, I. I don't know. That could be just um, a representation of what it's like to be an untrained raw psychic in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it feels like uh, to have just people, um, you know, screaming and yelling at you the whole time. You can't block out their thoughts. Uh, or it could be a manifestation of the Shadow King fucking yep. with him. Or it could be something else. Yep. I do want to, because I, I think that Tiffany makes a strong point here, and I largely agree that this took more episodes than I think necessary to get going. And I'm wondering if, like, even though this was a short eight-episode season, I'm about, to, I'm about to commit heresy. But I wonder if, I would argue that maybe this would have worked even better as a seven- or six-episode season. And I understand that the experimental nature of the show makes it hard. Like if I'm Noah Hall and I'm writing out these scripts and I'm I'm asking for, you know, FX is saying how many episodes he wants to pay for and he's saying eight, uh, he he might think it takes that long because of all how weird it is uh, and how kind of like otherworldly and the concept is parasite and he has to build that up and maybe I'm a little impatient because I knew enough about the story to see where it was going uh, a mile away but I felt like there was at least one maybe two episodes where they could have gotten rid of tighten it up a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, been a little bit more entertaining. But I don't even know how do you how would you do like if if you if you decide if you ordered eight episodes and and you only need seven do you go back to FX and say I, I'm gonna <laughs> like to return this episode go go contact all your advertisers and tell them to fuck off it's cool <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can do that <clears throat> I don't think so either but I really I think that Howley planned it all out beforehand and had it sketched out and he's probably satisfied even though some of us might not be yeah I mean the only place that I thought you know, it dragged a little was maybe they slow rolled, uh, kind of what is, what isn't real, um, kind of getting into, mm-hmm. uh, us knowing that there was a parasite in David, um, that was causing his odd behavior. But, you know, I, I still enjoyed those episodes. It was just, you know, as we mentioned, a little difficult to talk about on a podcast and it was a little, a little confusing and maybe slightly slower than a pacing I would have liked, but not too much. Yeah. Yeah. And now now I'm fine with it, you know, going into these final few. And uh I think yeah, you could definitely make that argument from a plot standpoint, but for me even um th- every episode was enjoyable even though mm-hmm. maybe it didn't advance things much just for other reasons. Yeah, and I know structurally yeah. it's like if you had them do one memory session where they found out about you know Lenny and Benny and the Ice Cube guy, and like, I, I get you. It's like it's sometimes like maybe it's too thin, but if you put yeah. it, packed it all together, it would be way way too dense. Yeah, uh, and people would be like, "What the hell?" Like it's just there's like there's like ex, you know expository galore stuff going on here. I, I, so next uh, season, I'd like to see more uh, more story packed yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a little tighter. But, yeah. Okay. 
Rima Joe says, so many great things in this episode, I can't list them all. This ep gave us lots of answers and some clarity to what has actually been going on, and it was so cool seeing David finally put the pieces together in the classroom. And did I hear a Sir Patrick Stewart impression come from Dan, Dan Stevens during that scene? Yes, absolutely. I'll co-sign so, that. Side note, I love the random ding of a bell throughout this and other episodes. Is there a pattern to these? I Did I hear that? I don't remember hearing that. I don't either. Ding. Are you sure there isn't a bell ringing in your house somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, that does sound familiar, mm-hmm. but it was always like, wasn't it like when, like, uh, wasn't there a ding that played when, like, Carrie let her out of the box and she uh, came back into the the psychic ward? I, I, maybe, maybe, I, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of feel what she's saying, but I can't quite put my finger on it because I wasn't mm. paying attention to it as, as, as meaning something. It's more yeah. just like you know a transition kind of thing. Anybody else has any insights on that? Let us know. All right, there's a couple news items. They're not spoilers, so I'm gonna read them now. First, LATimes.com says Legion is gonna relocate production to California as part of the latest round of the state's tax incentive program. They'll get an eleven million dollar tax credit. Where and, was it? Is it was it Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver. Okay. And I couldn't see where in California. I don't know if it's necessarily Los Angeles, but um it makes me wonder about Summerland. Will that be gone and done with or what? Mm-hmm. Um, this brings a total number of relocating series to 11 since California expanded this program hmm. in 2015. So this next one is not Legion news, but I just happen to see that another series that's going to be shooting in California. It's a new one because of the tax credit is called here. Now it's created by Alan ball who I was really stoked to see because he made my all-time favorite show six feet under. Ah, I love that show and True Blood, which was pretty good in the beginning. Um, it stars Holly Hunter and Tim Robbins. It says philosophy professor Greg Bishop and his lawyer wife, Audrey Beck, are socially conscious idealists who decided to build a family by adopting children from Vietnam, Somali and Colombia before having their own child in their 40s. This seemingly perfect progressive family is in actuality harboring deep rifts. Then one of the children begins to see things others cannot. Is it mental illness or something else? I mean, I'll watch anything just because he made it. So I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. And podcasting on it, possibly. All right. So there's going to be some spoilery stuff at the end. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us for this last episode, you can email us at legion at baldmove.com. Or you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash legion pod. And be sure to check out all of our other great shows at baldmove.com and podcastica.com. And just the fact that I gave you that line all season shows how much I trust you, Aaron. <laughs> and your trust was not poor; was not uh, properly placed because I, I uh, manipulated to my own ends for, for several episodes. It's I, I like I'm bored that. with the concept. <laughs> Wasn't to spare your feelings. I was kind of like, eh, I can't, I can't do this for you know. This is this is us unzipping our suits again for Breaking Good that lasted for like three episodes. Like this is dumb. <laughs> we can never get. Sh- we can never keep shtick going. Yeah, well, you know, everything has a life to it. You don't need to prolong it. I mean, maybe they should have, yeah, canceled that eighth episode of Legion, but. (laughs) (laughs) Just ended here. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Next week on Legion, this is slightly kind of, well, not slightly. It's just 
full on spoilery. So if you don't like that, you should just move along and come back next week. So the grand finale chapter eight is written by Noah Hawley and directed by Michael Uppendahl. So they get their heavy hitters in there. There was a teaser. It's Melanie talking to that interrogator dude saying you were right about David. He's a world breaker, which it seems like they're colluding. I don't know. Then there's a bunch of division three goons, a couple dozen stacked up on their sides. It almost looks like they're part of this same living organism, but I'm not sure, but they're flailing all around and screaming. And Sid says the power is real. You got to accept it. I don't care if you save me, save yourself. And then, uh, this interrogator guy says, look at you, you're gods. And someday you're going to realize you don't need to listen to us anymore. And David says, well, isn't that the history of the world? And he's in his sort of super villain mode. So it looks like a big confrontation with season three. I mean, division three next week. And I, the teaser didn't totally grab me, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I do think that, uh, it does answer my question about like, you know, what, what David's going to do. He's going to wad these guys up in a little ball. Also thought it's funny that like he, he cleans house on the guys that take a paycheck, <laughs> but the real big bads are like, okay, now that we've dealt with the mooks, why don't you guys come inside for a cup of coffee and we'll just talk things out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm so, you know, when I was watching Legion, I thought I was going to deal with this with the story of a mentally ill mutant had multiple personalities. Yeah, me too. And I'm wondering if we're not going to like backdoor that in in the final like like that that David's going to cuz I've also had this idea that maybe like he absorbs Sid somehow and I thought that was going to be the way this get this gunshot was going to be played out. Mhm. But the, and I'm like, well, I guess the R.I.P. that theory. But then when I saw that preview, and she's like, I I don't care if you save me, you got to save yourself by using your powers. I wonder if it's going to happen like that anyway, mm-hmm. and that she'll be one of the first absorbed personalities, and he's going to have, and then he's also got the Shadow King that will be re- returning, you know, personal character in his mind, and maybe this eye. Like it, it'd be interesting if like throughout the seasons he acquires more and more of these personalities he absorbs. You know, I'm doing a lot of theory crafting here. I understand that. I mean, that's and spoiler territory, guys. But that's the character in the comics, from what I remember. He's got a bunch of people living inside of him, and they all have different powers. And is it he's like is his power absorbing those people? I don't remember. I think yeah, maybe they're they're dead, or their bodies are gone. Uh huh. And some of them he's killed. It, this is all just vague because this was like twenty. Five thirty years ago, but yeah, I said I I'm, I wasn't a big lead, but the, all the promos made it seem like it was a split personality thing, and yeah. they, we haven't really got that. Um, so that's why I'm saying, you know, in season two, they still have a lot of fertile ground to cover because they could still go into that, and you could find out that all these people yelling at him are part of that. It would also be interesting to have a character where he's not crazy to begin with; he's just affected this py- parasite. He gets cured of that, but then. He gets more and more insane as the ep- the the series progresses because of events that ha- like like he he ends up having a mental illness or a psychotic break or a split personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think that would be that would be kind of an interesting way instead of like meeting this character fully formed. Actually, have him towards the end of the episode. It's it's a it's the fall of a hero uh, rather than you know the curing of one. Right. Maybe he can. Um get one of his old high school students to help him make math 
I'm just kidding. But that's <laughs> <laughs> we like those kind of things. I want to see uh, him go from a scale, yeah, of one to like eleven on the insanity level. That would be pretty cool. Right. Mm-hmm. What about you, okay. Jim? Sure, that all sounds great. I'm, <laughs> as, as long as Jermaine Clement's there, I'm in for season two. <laughs> right all right, one more to go. That was fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys next week.